0: Hey there, welcome into NFL Kickoff Live. Appreciate you guys for stopping by because we're going to take you all around the NFL, talk about every team and every game, and we'll get local insight you can't get anywhere else. But right here on Locked On, I am your host, Tanitra Batiste. Alongside me are Jarvis Davis and Kyle Krabs, and we're going to go straight to Thursday night. Football. That was one interesting game between the Bills and Bucks. Of course, guys, we know that the Bills prevailed somehow, some way, in spite of themselves, with a 24 to 18 win over the Bucks. But it really had me scratching my head, Kyle, and wondering if I believe in the Bills. I can tell you right now, I wasn't a believer in the Bucks from the gate, but the Bills, I was thinking maybe so based on what we've seen with them in the past and how they've been able to continue to like evolve and just get better across time. I don't know, Kyle. What are your thoughts? What do you think about this Bills team? Is this team really a contender this season?
1: Well, I, th- I think they have time on their side to kind of be able to figure out some of the defensive changes with the injuries. Uh, when That's fair. Daquan Jones out, and Matt Milano out, and Fredavious White out. Uh, they, they have incurred a lot of losses on the defensive side of the ball, but offensively, they just really haven't had their rhythm either. And yeah, you know, if you're able to win games and string it together while you figure it out and be five and three, uh, I will say that was a pretty monumental game for them when you look at the schedule that they have upcoming because they're at Cincinnati next week. Then they have uh, Den- Denver at home, True. the Jets, who they've already lost to. Then they're at Philadelphia. Then they go to their bye and then they come out of their bye and they play at Kansas City. So, I mean, that that's a really intimidating stretch coming up for a team that you don't want to be 4-4 four and four coming out of that game last night. So they were a half second away. From Chris Godwin finding that Hail Mary for really being in a sticky spot. I think they're they're staving off the struggles well enough right now. But rubber's about to meet the road here this next month for Buffalo. And I think it's going to be a very defining month uh, for Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills.
0: I would say say the same, Jarvis. And I while I agree with KC in terms of acknowledging the Bills and their what their injury woes, especially on the defensive side of the ball. It's been leaky and shaky and all kinds of other ways to describe that offense. And the main cog is still there. And that's Josh Allen. So that's what makes me so concerned about what I saw out of the Bills last night. But let's talk about the Bucks as well. I mean, that's a very intriguing and interesting team. Obviously, we cover them fairly closely, being that we cover the Falcons here, the NFC South. But what are your thoughts on what you saw out of the Bucks last night, even kind of clawing their way back and making it a game?
2: I thought I saw an ANSI quarterback. I saw a guy in uh Baker Mayfield that he's starting to look like the Baker Mayfield that I know. You know, which
0: you have been saying from day one, you were waiting (laughs) for that Baker to show up.
2: Yes, I've been waiting for him to show up, and he has shown up in these past few games because when you think about like I think the the rate that his balls are batted, like I think he's probably at tops in the NFL because he's he he just he's not that tall of a guy, and a lot of times. When you, you try to sit in that pocket and make certain throws, those throws are, are likely to get batted down. And the Falcons, when they played against the book last week, that's what that's what they focus in on. Hey, yeah. we can bat this ball down. We can we can get some we can help our, de- our our defensive back room out by, you know, jumping up. If we see we're not getting there, jumping up and trying to knock that ball down. So I think that. For them to, but it was interesting to see how they were able to get Rashad White involved in the game. He was able yeah. to, they were able to get him throwing the ball out of the backfield. Baker Mayfield is definitely going to get the ball out of his hand. So I think that was a, a good adjustment by Canales to be able to do some of those things. But I think they need to do more of that. But it's just, that seems like that offense just can't get it going. And, and to be honest with you, I think the Bucs are, are going down the road that I thought they would go. And I think that they are not going to be a team that to even think about as far as being a serious contender not even in the division
0: yeah and i think that's why they are currently second team second place team in the nfc south and you know kyle going back to something that jarvis said talking about those balls are batted down baker mayfield's tied for second most batted balls down in the nfl with seven i mean only and so when you think about that you think about how that impacts a game and how Defenses or defensive coordinators are able to kind of figure that out as sort of a weapon, something that's in their favor. How big of a deal do you think that's going to be? how How do you think that's going to impact? We'll say rhythm for now, but how do you think that's going to impact the Bucks in their offense and uh, and how they're able to be effective down the road?
1: Yeah, I think it all ties together. You know, my number one concern with Tampa Bay this season was their offensive line, and they took Tristan Worfs and moved him to left tackle after letting Donovan Smith go and. They, they just have a lot of young players and you saw it against the front in Buffalo. That's, that's hurting. It's a hurting front. And yeah. they totally dictated terms of the game up front when, when the bucks had the ball where you scored a touchdown, thanks to a short field. When you got an interception off of Josh Allen, it took what 18 fourth down conversions on that 92 yard drive to put the other ball into the end zone and make it a one yeah. game late. And then you had the two point conversion. That was kind of a tight window throw that bounced and got wonky. So it's, you just don't have a lot of margin for error when you can't dictate terms up front. And we already mentioned the name Rashad white it was nice to see him get involved, but how did he get involved? He got involved in the receiving yeah. game with swings and checkdowns because they, they can't push you up front.
3: Mm-hmm. And I
1: think that's something for Tampa. You're going to get into some dogfights, And when you, you, you need to play games close to the vest. Okay. That's fine. But when you fall behind two scores in a game like this, you're really going to be stressed to keep pace. I think just because they don't have the horses up front offensively.
4: Yeah, not and Jarvis. to add
2: to that, I'm just gonna add I, I do a quick add on that. T like, and then the the connection, the rapport between uh Chris Godwin and Baker Mayfield is is great, It's excellent. He's gonna find uh Chris Godwin. It just seems like they can't figure out a way to get the ball to Mike Evans consistently because, like, yeah. Mike Evans is the type of guy I feel like you always got to you got to get him the ball early on to get him involved and get him going. Yes. And it just seems like because you know sometimes you can see that his nonverbal communication is saying, Hey man, why y'all not throwing me the ball? Or I can't see y'all can't seem to find me for some strange reason. And he mm-hmm. just, and it just shows on the field. And that offense is just, it just can't get, it just can't, like I said, it just can't get it together. And, it just, and you can tell, because if you can't get the ball to your number one receiver and a guy like Mike Evans, who is who doesn't get mentioned as the top wide receiver in the league but he is definitely in that, co- that conversation Indeed. Like, there is a that's a problem that's an issue that they have to get solved and they better get it solved really quickly
0: yeah and you know i was going to ask you Jarvis kind of going back to the defensive side of the ball for the bills granted yes you're talking about a lot in the way of injury but also like Kyle said they've kind of got something of a murderer's road that they're gonna be seeing. So what are some of the things that the Bills need to kind of get together until those guys guys get back? Like how can they improve that defense to be prepared for a tough stretch that's coming?
2: You need guys like Greg Rousseau and, and, and um Ed Oliver continue to get the quarter um get to the quarterback because you know Ed Oliver was able to get home um um last night. Uh, against a guy like Cody Mott, like we talked about this with the, when it comes to the Falcons, like mm-hmm. you, when you, you being able to take advantage of a of, of a banged up offensive line or a young offensive line, yep. and the Falcons not being able to do that, but the Bills were able to do that. And also, I like the play of uh, Terrell Bernard. He has been yeah. absolutely active. Like I'm talking about, like a net linebacker like he is just all over the place i'm talking about knocking balls down and everything like that it, when he's in, when he's in zone coverage and, and making plays on the football those are some of the things that you really like to see when you have those injuries on your defense you just see guys just kind of come out of nowhere number 43 i kept seeing his name his number pop up last night and and those like the things that you're gonna need going forward to couple with your guys getting home up front that's gonna be something that's gonna help carry you uh through that gauntlet like Kyle talked about earlier
0: now, Kyle, you always hate to see or have to have a conversation about whether or not one call changed the game, because at the end of the day, it, it's, it comes down to multiple plays along the way, and then you get to that one call, right? At least Everybody says that. Most people say that, except what Jim right. or say, but moving right along, <laughs> ultimately speaking, there was some question around whether or not there was a critical PI there that should have been called, but should not. Do you think a that there was a pass interference call there and B if there was, do you think that was the right time for a no call?
1: Yeah. It's tough on the last play of the game with the way that they regulate that penalty. Yep. you're going to take it and it's a 54 yard penalty and you're going to put the ball on the one yard line because the foul occurred on the one. So like really we should, we should maybe consider some adjustment to spot fouls with defensive pass interference in general. Uh, and I think that would maybe give you a little bit more leeway to have more integrity within the framework of what the rules are for contact downfield and pass interference, but not feel like you have to swallow it because then you're getting an untimed down or whatever. Yeah, uh, at the very end of the, the game. So uh, if, if you're looking off the letter of the law, that's a penalty. But at mm-hmm. the end of the day, if you look at just about every Hail Mary at the end of a football game, that contact exists that's and that's they don't right. call it. You can call it. Yeah. So they, 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 they the refs really force you to make them call it in those situations. So I think with the precedent, it's not abnormal to see that not get called but off of the letter of the law, it probably is. So it's, I I don't have an easy answer there uh, because I know why Bucks fans feel the way that they feel. And I understand why Mm -hmm. Bills fans look at it and say, well, I don't know what to tell you that that's how Hail Marys work.
0: Right. But you're absolutely right, Kyle. That's a tough one because no, no one wants to be. And of course, pun intended, no one wants to be holding the flag or the bag at that point at critical juncture of a game. So I I think I totally get it, but yeah, Jarvis, it's a good point that Kyle makes like, at that point in the game, for all intents and purposes, looked like P.I. to everybody else who had their eyes on it. But you do have to think about context. And yeah, it's supposed to be a letter of the law situation. But how do you feel about that? A, again, do you feel that that was a P.I.? And if so, do you feel like that was the right time to make a no call?
2: Uh, to be honest with you, I like I like trends, right? If the referees have been calling it all game, there's no reason for you, given that the the the, the gravity of the moment for you not to make that call in that moment if you've been making it all game. So I'm, I'm all about establishing precedent. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you've been making that call and it seemed like they were. You no, know, they were kind of on the teetering towards you know making those type of calls throughout the game. So yeah, if you if if you've been calling before, you need to go ahead and continue to call it. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with it. If you're letting those guys play, and you know throughout the entire game, and, and you like and you don't make that call in that moment, I'm cool with it. But like I'm just all about consistency with the referees. If you're making it right then and there, or in the first quarter with fifteen with with thirteen minutes to go, I want you to make it with three seconds on the clock in the fourth quarter. I need you to make that same exact call. That's where I'm at with it. So as long as they establish precedent and continue to follow it, I'm cool with it.
0: And you want to talk about consistency and establishing a precedent. I think, KC, what the Eagles are doing up in Philly, they are setting Mm -hmm. some amazing precedences, but really being consistent with it, being aggressive this season in hopes of likely not just getting back to the Super Bowl, but actually getting over the hump and winning. We, of course, know that safety and Pro Bowl safety Kevin Byard has made his way from Tennessee to Philadelphia what are your thoughts I mean do you like that move for the Eagles do you like what we've been seeing of what 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 Howie Roseman has done so far maybe even calling him at least for the first third of the season the best GM in the NFL for some of these low key moves that are going to maybe pay off for him at the end of the season.
1: Yeah, I'll tell you what, if I'm an opposing GM and Howie Roseman's calling me to ask about a player, I'm probably hanging up the phone. I say, "You're no, you ain't get me (laughs) buddy." No, thank you. Howie's been outstanding working the lines and getting deals, and he got awesome value with the trade for Bayard. Obviously, Bayard's a 30-year-old safety. He's got one year left on his contract after this year. He's owed more than $10 million. So, like, yeah, it's a big money contract. But at the end of the day, it's a perfect fit. For what Seattle or what, what Philadelphia is running with that Sean Desai uh, defense, that Vic Fangio structure that they're running. Obviously, they had a very successful and impressive performance in week seven against the Miami Dolphins offense. And uh, you, you really saw that defensive line dictate terms up front for Philadelphia. And yes. now you got uh, the, the big question was one of the players involved in the trade, in Terrell Edmonds, who gets traded back to Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the biggest reaction I have from this trade, though, is, yeah, I I expect Ty Roseman to fleece you if you call him or if he calls you and is interested in one of your players. Mm -hmm. Tennessee is a team that's selling at the deadline. Uh, I think they really cut themselves out at the knees here to get any value for any other players that they may be interested in moving on from. Derrick Henry's been a really popular name. Like, if Kevin Byard's going to go for a 5, a 6, and Terrell Edmonds, what are you going to get for a 30-year-old Derrick Henry at this point? In the last year, like, he doesn't even have an extra year on his contract. So I think that's the biggest storyline for me, is if Tennessee's going to continue to sell, lower your expectations on what their ROI is going to be because they only have a few players that really move the needle. Like DeAndre Hopkins, he could have signed anywhere, like six months ago, and now he's on the trading block because Tennessee's season went the way that it has. Nobody's going to give a significant amount of of money of assets back for that. So, yeah. uh, props to Howie for striking first because he who strikes first usually reaps the benefits. The early bird gets the worm in and, and Howie Roseman in picking over this Titans roster uh, is the early bird.
0: And we know what that looked like when Lesney did become very, very aggressive. We know that it finally resulted in that ring that uh, that franchise was chasing. Well, you know, you make a great point. We got four days left to the NFL trade deadline. So Ron Carthen, it's going to be an interesting four days for you mm-hmm. in Nashville, but listen, You want to bet? Well, you can and you should, according to Jarvis, as long as you do it with FanDuel.
2: This episode of NFL Kickoff Live is brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel is the number one sports book in America, folks. I'm telling you, this is the place that you need to go to. All the people who've been going to FanDuel, they've been doing their doggone thing. I promise you. I promise you they've been doing their doggone thing. But if you have not gone to FanDuel, here's what I got. I got a great deal for you. I need you to listen up right now. New customers get $200 in bonus bets. Guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. What are bonus bets, Jarvis? Bonus bets are stuff that you can use to bet on the money lines, the spreads, the over-unders, and much, much more. I'm telling you, there's there's a wide range of betting options that you can get into when you go there. So all my new customers, I need you to go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. I'm telling you, people, you don't have to worry about anybody getting your information. The app is super safe. It's super easy to use. You got to worry about none of that. I'm telling you, it's super safe, super easy to use. And I need you to go to the number one sportsbook. That's Fanduel.com slash LockedOn, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and kick off the NFL season because Fanduel is the official sportsbook betting partner of the NFL.
0: So, guys, just before the break, we were talking a little bit about the Tennessee Titans. So let's go back to Nashville. We just got word right before we came on air that Ryan Tannehill has been officially Ruled out. Of course, he was dealing with that ankle issue. He's been dealing with it for a while. I hadn't practiced the entire week, so we kind of know. We kind of knew this was coming. Uh, Although, interestingly enough, Mike Brabel was kind of even as late as yesterday's practice. Well, yeah, kind of. I mean, if he's not a go, if if he's not a go, then our primary quarterback is going to be Will Levis. But Malik Willis will still get some time under center. So let's start there first, Jarvis. Kind of your reaction. In terms of those comments that Mike Vrabel made in his decision, A, to finally go ahead and say that Hill's out for this weekend's game against the Falcons. And B, this interesting dichotomy that's going to happen with Will Levis being the primary QB, but uh, Malik Willis also potentially getting some reps.
2: You know what I just heard when you told me that, T. They're having open trials in a yeah. regular season game at the quarterback position, the most important position in the NFL, probably yeah. in the world is professional sports. And you're gonna have an open trial in a, a NFL regular season game. This, 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 this tells me if if I'm sitting, if I'm Ryan Nielsen, all I'm talking about, hey guys, we having a buffet in Nashville. That's what we're gonna eat. We're gonna eat at the buffet. It's time to eat. It's time to go. It's time to get home. It's time to stat pad because. I'm sure Ryan Nielsen is going to send pressure from every level this game because that's what you're talking about. When you're talking about a guy for a first time getting to start, he had some time in the preseason early on, but he ended up getting injured. So he's coming off, you know, injury. Um, from my understanding, he's fully healthy and everything like that. So when you're talking about bringing in a guy like Will Levis, who I got, I have questions about as far as whether or not he can be a, a good quarterback or serviceable quarterback in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And then you're talking about bringing a guy like Malik Willis, who we've seen him. We've seen yeah. what Malik Willis can and can't do. And it's, it's a lot more can't than a lot more can when it yeah, comes to can't. least up to you know, now, Will. you're right. Exactly. So I, I think that, you know, when as a, a defense and from from the Falcons' standpoint, this is a game that I feel like they're going to be able to take advantage of and continue that trend that they've been, you know, going in as far as um getting um getting sacking the quarterback. They've been doing that really well these past couple of weeks, and also turning teams over. I think they're going to be, I if if like we said, we we're talking about FanDuel. Hey, if you're talking about turnovers, turnovers or over under, I'm going over with the Falcons' defense going against that uh, Titans' defense. I'm talking he, office. He, excuse me.
0: Yes, Arthur Smith is one of the most competitive guys in the world, and he likes nothing more than to be able to beat the Titans. That you know, that that's something going against his former team. But you kind of between him and Ryan Nielsen, you kind of have to be salivating at this situation because, like Jarvis said, this isn't college football, right? Where you could actually go with a one-two punch at the quarterback position. This is the NFL, and you're going against a defense. And I'll use Richie Richie Grant's words, Kyle. Uh, one of our our key DBs with the Falcons, and he said, hey, shout out to Dean Pease because this is what Dean Pease worked for in Arthur Smith bringing him back out of retirement, getting this Falcons defense to be an aggressive top 10 type of defense. Every week, Casey, they've been trending up, trending up. I mean, how exciting. I mean, they must be having a field day in Flowery Branch right now just to know that, oh, my God, we get Will Levis and Malik Willis. Granted, let me flip it, though. Calais Campbell made an interesting point as well. There's really no film because, I mean, you can't really go back to what Will Levis did in college. Malik Willis, well, there's film and there's not film. So, I mean, Kyle, do you think on the flip side, playing devil's advocate, that it could be a challenge to try to prepare for and scheme for two quarterbacks and you have nothing to work from?
1: Yeah, I I certainly think there's an element of the unknown to finishing plays. But what I would say is is for Tennessee to come out with anything completely out of left field, it's not like they've been building towards inserting a young quarterback, right? This is an injury-spurred incident. So I think the fact that it's an acute injury to Tannehill and Tennessee having to pivot because of that, I don't know how much you're going to be able to kind of catch them off guard with new concepts. So you could still study how do the skill players win? What kind of separation can they create? What does Tennessee want to do? Tennessee Titans DNA has been exactly the same since Mike Rabel got there, which is we Indeed. want to play close to the best games. We want to win situational football. We want to be in one score games late. And then we want to make the right calls late in the game. It's the Bill Belichick formula, right? Yeah. It makes sense because Vrabel played for Belichick and Tennessee's had plenty of success doing that. I just think they, like we talked about with Tampa Bay earlier on today's show, Their offensive line does not allow them to dictate terms with Derrick Henry, which is why Derrick Henry's on the trade block. Why you hear DeAndre Hopkins potentially may get traded. Yeah. Why you have an open season at the quarterback position to really just kind of figure out what you have, because this is a team that is in transition. They spent a three on Malik Willis. They traded up and spent a two plus on Will Levis. Yeah. Y'all got a lot invested in the quarterback room and you got no clue what you got. So throwing those guys out there. I think it is probably beneficial to Tennessee long-term, but it does set the stage for Atlanta's defense to have an absolute field day because I think that defense is flying around. They're playing great football right now. The only thing Atlanta can't do is turn the ball over themselves. Yeah. If they turn the ball over themselves, which has kind of been a thing, right? Yeah. If you can if you can take care of the football, the rest of this game should take care of itself for you.
0: Yeah, and you gave a couple nuggets there, Kyle, like you said. And, of course, this was with Ryan Tannehill kind of in there. But ultimately speaking, this Tennessee Titans team has, in spite of itself, been competitive. They're two and four, but they've been competitive in a number of those games that they actually took L's in on this week. So, yeah, it'll be an intriguing situation down there in Nashville that I'm sure most of us will be taking a look at just to see how that kind of plays out with this whole one, two, A, B punch under center. Anyway, two teams trying to stay in the conversation and prove they can actually be contenders are the Dallas Cowboys and the Los Angeles Rams. So Marcus Mosher of Locked On Cowboys and Doug McCain can't agree on who actually wins this game either.
5: So this game, I look at it as, look, this is a top five defense with the Cowboys. This is a secondary that has the ability to try to slow things down for this Rams offense. I think you're looking at this Cowboys team that's trying to take the next step, trying to continue to assimilate with Mike McCarthy's offense. They played well at home. This Cowboys team has – the ability to win this game. But I think the Rams coming off that loss, I think they're going to make things interesting. I don't think they're going to get blown out. I think you are get a much better game for Matthew Stafford. I think it's going to really come down to, can you protect Stafford? Will the decision-making be better? I would be surprised if the Rams won this game. I wouldn't be shocked at all. If the Cowboys won this game, I'm not so sure that they cover, but I've been picking the Rams to win all season long. I've been Homer Simpson. There's no doubt about it, but I think this is the first game of the year Where it's just, I don't love the matchup. I mean, you talk about the run game. Will the Rams commit to the run? Last game, I said 31 attempts, 135 yards, 4.4 yards per carry. Cowboys giving a 9.6 yards per carry. That's tied for six. 16.7 points per game. Six on third downs. I think it's a tough matchup for the Cowboys with the Rams. So I think the Rams probably lose on Sunday.
6: I have really mixed uh, feelings for this game. Number one, I think it's a little bit of a trap game for Dallas coming off a bye, knowing that you play at Philadelphia next week. Like it's just natural to start looking ahead to that game. At the same time, the Cowboys have been excellent at home under Mike McCarthy. And, you know, historically that's not been the case. Like over the last 20 years, they've been a bad home team. I think you're going to get, a really loud crowd. I don't think you're going to get a bunch of Rams fans there. I think the defense is really going to feed off that energy, but the Rams still have a lot of talent, a lot of top end talent. So I I would not be surprised at all. If this is like a, a 20 to 17 game going into the fourth quarter and the Cowboys have the ball down three, go make a drive to, to kind of take control of this game. I expect it to be really close. And I'll go with the upset. I'm going to take the Rams to win this game outright on Sunday. I I just think Matt Stafford, who has played really well against the Cowboys in his career, uh, is going to find a way to get a W uh, in his home state of Texas.
5: Well, we would absolutely love that. And I would not be shocked if the Rams won this game. I would not. I think that the overall talent level of the Cowboys, when you're talking about a team averaging over 25 points per game, all signs point to the Cowboys coming off a bye week at home against a Rams team that, Yes, you mentioned top-end talent, no doubt about it. Aaron Donald's still one of the best in the league. Cooper cups still one of the best in the league. Matthew Stafford, armed talent-wise, still can make as many elite throws as any quarterback in this entire league. But there's been some inconsistency at times. The second half, and they've had some issues. And really, it's the talent at the margins, right? It's not the 1 through 5 or 1 through 10. It's really the guys yeah. toward the bottom half of that roster where you start to see in the second half of games, teams know they kind of wear down the Rams and escape with the win. So I would take that all day, every day. I'm really just trying to reverse hedge a little bit just because I picked the Rams to win Same. all season long. This is literally the first time this entire year that I'm picking them not to win. In my heart of heart, my the fanboy in me, my heart says the Rams are going to win by a touchdown, but my brain is saying yep. that they probably lose and it probably comes down to the fourth quarter.
0: So Doug was on the struggle bus as to whether he was going to go with his heart and his brain. And so his heart was saying Rams, his brain was saying Cowboys. JD, what are you saying?
2: Wow. Um, I'm kind of torn on this one too, but I think I'm leaning towards, you know, going with the Cowboys because I really feel like that offensive line may be that weak spot for the Rams. You know, they're kind of middle of the league as far as sacks giving up. And I think that Michael Parsons and guys like that, they can, I feel like they can get home. Because that secondary is not what it used to be. Let's 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 Trayvon Diggs is is no longer with us. You know, he's alive, but he's not on the field. Um I I think that, you know, that's a that's a that's a a real stick point for me because I really feel like the Cowboys can take advantage of their offensive line. So I'm gonna lean towards the Cowboys. I really feel like the um CD Lamb is is complaining about giving him the football. And I think that if they can make it a point to get their number one wide receiver the football, which is not a crazy ask. Uh, I really feel like the Cowboys can can't get the dub in this one.
0: Yeah, and Kyle, the Rams are an intriguing team because yes, Matthew Stafford still at times looks very, very good as Matthew Stafford. And he's got Cooper Cup back, he's got Puka Nakua. So that offense can actually put points on the board. But is this the weekend where they're gonna go into Jerry World and, and make something happen?
1: I, I would just like to give recognition uh to both hosts on a video that's the first locked on video I think we've seen here on Fridays where they say, I'm going to give you the win. And then they say, yes. no, I'm going to give you the win. No. I don't, Great like, call, Casey
2: right. Nobody had. wants to take it.
1: <laughs> oh, to see them say you have it. No, you have it. Was that, that wore my heart a little bit. I, I right. think the Rams can get this done. Um, it's, it's a weird game where I, I think one of the big X factors that is going, I think in the Rams favor is I think about Mike McCarthy and that coaching job. Dan Quinn's outstanding, one of the best defense coordinators in the game. There's no question. Indeed. But if I think about Mike McCarthy, and I hold that up to Sean McVay and Raheem Morris on the other side, and I think about Dallas's struggles to be balanced offensively, getting everybody involved to the appropriate degree that you want to. Uh, I, I know they're a little banged up on the offensive line up front. Uh, I, I, what was it? Um Tyron Smith, I believe is a little banged up right now for them Mm -hmm. that, that hurts. Uh, And when you got a guy like Aaron Donald, you know, who can change the math of how fronts operate and how your protection schemes work. um, uh, That that's just something that I look to, that can potentially swing this game in the Rams favor. And then as far as the Cowboys defense, what I love about the Rams, even though the Rams uh, they're really banged up at the running back position right now, they Mm -hmm. had some flashes from Kyron Williams and he's not playing right now as well. Uh, you have enough between Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup coming back and the flashes you got from Tutu Atwell and Tyler. Yes. Like You have all these weapons that I think can force you to space the field enough where a vet quarterback like Matthew Stafford, who sees it so well, can help to mitigate the pass rush by getting the ball out quickly. So I see the pathway for the Rams to win the game. I want to pick Dallas to win the game at home, at Jerry World. <laughs> but I've been wanting to be in on Dallas all season long yeah. and they just, they, they have not played that complete game yet mm-hmm. really. And, you know, and they're pretty fortunate to get out of Los Angeles before the bye with a win against the chargers yeah. in a game that they kind of struggled offensively. So I'm picking right. the Rams. And, and I love what, where you're going with that Kyle, because I was thinking the
0: same thing, like, There's not a point in this season yet where I felt comfortable saying the Cowboys are a contender. And that's not even just because I'm a Steelers fan and I'm a hater, therefore, but literally I've been waiting. Like you have the tools, you have the resources on the field, even with your injuries, with an injury, like a Trevon Diggs injury, you still have a lot more guns than the Rams. And yet I'm sitting here thinking to myself, yes, yes, Cowboys is shitting on a 10-game home winning streak. And yes, this game obviously is being played in Jerry World, but it's also Matthew Stafford's hometown. It's his first time going back to Dallas since becoming a Ram, since becoming a Super Bowl champion. So he might just make it a nice home going for himself and a spoiler for his home team. Now, Prize Picks is the most fun you can have winning up to 25 times your money. This football season and Jarvis will tell you how you can get in on the fun
2: folks i need y'all to get in on the action right now this is this episode of nfl kickoff live is brought to you by prize picks prize com slash locked on nfl prize slash locked on nfl is the website you need to go to right now it is the most fun i've been having winning up to 25 times my money this football season you just select two or more players it's super i'm telling you guys it's so easy to get on here pick more or less on your other projected stats and place your entry you're not going up against these all these fantasy football sharks and all that stuff you're just going against yours you just go all you got to do pick two players and 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 look at the look at the games and, and try to figure out who's going to get more or less yards that's it that's all you got to do pick more or less it's simple to play i can make my picks and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds guys i'm telling you, this is the best place you need to go to also prospects has another little cool deal right they offer weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts like Taco Tuesday. We going up each Tuesday, prize picks discount select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. So here's what I want you to do, do guys. I want you to go to prizepick.com slash locked on NFL, prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks is daily fantasy sports made easy.
0: Guys, Monday night football is heading our way. And to wrap up week nine, it'll be interesting. But first, and that'll be the Lions, because we'll be looking to see if they're going to have a bounce back week and kind of figure out the Raiders. But before we talk about that, I want to talk a little bit about selling me why on the Denver Broncos. They're looking to put together, and I'm going to use some serious air quotes right here, JD and Casey, a winning streak. It's a rematch for them against the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs, of course, are seven and a half point favorites in that game, so Cody Rourke, from locked on Broncos is actually going to try to sell us why Denver can cover that spread.
7: On today's Sell Me Why, I'm going to tell you why I think that the Denver Broncos will cover the 7.5-point spread here against the Kansas City Chiefs here this upcoming Sunday and powerfield mile-high on a chilly afternoon, 2.25 p.m. Mountain time kickoff. I'm Cody Rourke, host of the Lockdown Broncos podcast, and look, there, the, despite the fact that the Kansas City Chiefs have won 16 straight games against the Broncos, looking to make it 17 straight games in this matchup on Sunday here we can take away bits and pieces of where Denver is at here. Now they've started to gather a little bit more momentum. The defense has been playing drastically better and Just two weeks ago, the Broncos defense held the Kansas City Chiefs to only 30% completion percentage on third down. They forced them to settle for long field goals, and more importantly, they held the Kansas City Chiefs only one red zone touchdown, something that has not been consistently done. On top of that, Justin Simmons has been the one player who has intercepted Patrick Mahomes the most. I think Denver makes this one close at home and covers at 7.5 points in a chilly weather situation in Denver.
0: You know, that's a very interesting take that Cody has. He talks about the fact that, oddly enough, as many challenges as we've seen the Broncos have this entire season, the Kansas City Chiefs, that's a team that they actually play with a little bit of competition. I mean, we're talking about going back to October 12th, where it was a 19 to 8 loss to the Bron- to the, the Kansas City Chiefs. And with that high powered offense, that's saying a lot. So, I mean, Kyle, do you see a path? Well, it's two paths, right? I think maybe the first question is or maybe even three. Can they be competitive slash can they win the game? But also, of course, can they actually cover the spread?
1: Yeah, I think, I think it's going to be tough because while Denver has played them relatively close, Kansas mm-hmm. City's won, what, 16 in a row against the Broncos. So like that yeah. kind of gives you a foundation of where this game's probably going to end. So if you begin with the end in mind, what's really impressive to me with Kansas City has nothing to do with the offense. Steve Spagnolo's defense, their second in scoring defense this year, 15 points per game. They have at least one turnover in every game that they have played. They have conceded more than 350 yards of offense to opposing teams just twice this season. And one of those was 358 yards last week against the Chargers. They have given up more than 20 points just once. It was week one without Chris Jones. So defensively, you think about Denver struggles, the wide receivers on the trade block, Russell Wilson having to go to wearing a wristband to simplify the offensive calls and all that, the, the fact that Denver had 82 passing yards when they played two weeks ago. I'm worried Denver's going to score enough points to cover. It has nothing to do with Kansas City's own uh, kind of clunky offensive performances at times this season. I really struggle with Denver getting the points against this Chiefs defense, which is playing lights out for Steve Spagnola right now.
0: Yeah, Jarvis, I have to agree with Kyle on that. It's almost like I, I know they're there because I was one of the main people who was sitting back on maybe – I think that may have been our first show saying, yeah, of course you lost to the Lions, and that's taking nothing away from them. We'll talk about them in a few minutes. But I was like, yeah, minus Travis Kelsey, yes, but minus Chris Jones is the ultimate difference or the ultimate factor in that first loss that Casey Tuck took. Going back to what Kyle said, you have seen a decidedly different Kansas City defense the rest of the way. They – I think that's the low-key kind of MVP of that team that we don't talk enough about. So to to Kyle's point, Jarvis, where does that put the Broncos in terms of being competitive and or the possibility, however, of them covering the spread?
2: It looks very grim. Um, (laughs) Because when you think about like what the Kansas City Chiefs have been able to do, even though, you know, like Kyle mentioned, their offense is but they're on a six-game winning streak. They haven't lost since they played against the Detroit Lions. So, yep. like, when you you think about this is like – and when you really, really think about it, this is unfair because you have Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> the best quarterback in the entirety of the NFL, and now you have a defense that is – we're talking about being elite, putting them in the elite category with Steve Spagnuolo. He's coming – like, he's, he's got his groove back in Kansas City. So all of those things kind of factor into the play where – you look at this Denver Broncos team, it's just too many determining factors that, that are going up against them, right? Because you talk about Russell Wilson and how he's struggling with the offense and and he happened to wear armband and all of this stuff. It's just yeah. just too much stuff. Like we talked about on one of our earlier episodes about how organizations, just too much stuff off the field going on. It's just too yeah. much stuff going off the field for this Denver Broncos team to, to go out here and play and compete on a weekly basis. It's just... Like with Jared Judy, all of these guys, it's just too much stuff going on for them to to be out here, come out here, and and actually score enough points to to even get to the point where you are even close enough to to try to cover the spread. So yeah, I, I don't think Denver has a chance of covering the spread in this in this particular game because it 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 just it just doesn't look that good for them, and I don't think that they're going to be able to block Kansas City uh, as, as also. So it's just too many things, too many too many determining factors to say, hey, you know what. Y'all, y'all just go out there and try hard and give one for the good coach. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just give them a bless their heart and kind of keep it moving, yeah,
2: right? That, exactly. Bless their heart. Good old Southern hospitality. <laughs> indeed,
0: indeed. But a team that I don't think will have any issue covering the spread because I don't see them getting drugged again like they did last week against the Baltimore Ravens is the Detroit mm-hmm. Lions. I think that team is going to show and prove that they really are contenders. That's your Monday Night Football feature. The Lions, a seven and a half point favorite over the Las Vegas Raiders. And here's Matt Derry to tell you and sell you why the Lions will cover that spread again, following getting drug last week. Hey
3: everyone, Matt Derry from the Locked On Lions podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. How can the Lions cover the eight and a half point spread Monday night against the Raiders at Ford Field? It's simple. First and foremost, they're back at home. They're mad after what took place last weekend against the Ravens. Just getting embarrassed in Baltimore. Got a little bit of chip on their shoulder now at 5-2. and two. Want to go into the bye week after this at 6-2. and two, And they're playing an inferior opponent in the Raiders. Couple all of that with a crowd that hasn't seen a Monday Night Football game at Ford Field since 2018. And this should be an easy win for the Lions. Plus, think about this. Lions this past Sunday faced Baltimore in a very good offense led by Lamar Jackson. Lions defense did not play well. Their worst performance of the year. Now they're facing the third worst offense in the entire league in the Raiders. No one knows who's going to be their starting quarterback yet. Will it be Jimmy G, Brian Hoyer, Aiden O'Connell? Ravaging just 16 points per game. Lions should bounce back and play a much better football game against this Raider team. Another reason why the Lions should cover, too, is their offense and how well they've been clicking at home this season under Jared Goff, even in the loss to Seattle in Week 2. Lions put up 31 points. They get into a very good rhythm at Ford Field, at home. Look for Goff, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Jameer Gibbs to really get going. And watch for the tight end as well, Sam Laporta. That's been a weakness for that Raider defense. Sands the Green Bay win earlier this year. Tight end sneaking across the middle of that open field, in the middle of the field for Jared Goff to deal to Sam Laporta and others. Lions should cover this 8.5-point spread Monday night against the Raiders
0: of all the names that Matt said Jarvis I heard one name Sam LaPorta that's where to me it starts and stops because we've seen what he's been able to do this entire season it's just been tremendous and that takes nothing away from Amon-Ra St. Brown of course it takes nothing away from Jared Goff and what that entire offense has been able to do but that guy to me every week has just been an amazing and a tremendous X factor for this Detroit Lions offense
2: Absolutely Though when you think about you know, the head coach who's play tight, the tight end position. So, you know, hey, tough, gritty guy, like guys willing to, you know, obviously obviously block and go out there and catch passes as well. So I think that, you know, Detroit has kind of figured Ben Johnson has figured out a way to start getting him, getting him the football. And also uh, another guy that I want to throw in there as well is Jameer Gibbs. He had yeah. absolutely had yeah. the game. That was kind of like a little coming out party for him, it. yeah. So, and that's what we've been waiting for, right? And I think that they need to build off of that, um, going forward because we know what his capabilities are and what he's able to do, you know, at Alabama and also coming from Georgia Tech as well. He's just an absolute talent. So, I, I think that you have to continue to, to stack those, stack those games, and I think that defense is is looking at, is chomping at the bit as well because they said Jimmy G is in line to return for the game on Monday. We'll see. I still like, I still like the Lions' chances to cover this spread, um, regardless of if Jimmy G plays or not. Because, like I said, that offense, if they can get Jameer Gibbs involved like they need to, and I will couple that with with Sam Laporta, yeah, this and of course amon runsay Brown can't can't forget about wide receiver one. Uh, you know, guys, you know, continue to get him the ball as well. So all of those factors, I really look at and say, you know what, Detroit's going to cover this cover this spread like my Matt Derry said easily.
0: Kyle is the return, the possible return of Jimmy Garoppolo going to make a difference in this game, whether it's how the Raiders show up or whether it's covering the spread for the Detroit Lions.
1: So uh, I look at this game and I boil it down to this. Uh, The Raiders are last in the NFL in turnover differential. They're minus 10 on the season. That's dead last. Uh, The lions are plus two. That's 13th in the NFL out of 32 teams. Uh, Detroit. Averages 118 rushing yards offensively per game. That's 11th in the NFL. Uh, The Raiders allow 129 rushing yards. That's 24th. That's bottom quartile, to quote Jim Ursay. Bottom quartile Mm -hmm. of the NFL in defensive rushing yards allowed. Conversely, the Raiders average 68 rushing yards per game. It's dead last in the NFL. And the Lions are the second best rushing defense in the NFL. They allow 76 rushing yards per game defensively. I don't care who your quarterback is. If you're going to get your tail whipped up front to the degree that I expect Detroit is going to whip the Raiders' tail up front and further mitigate the one good thing the Raiders have going defensively in Max Crosby, I think it's going to really negate any momentum of a quarterback change or getting Josh McDaniels with somebody who knows how to run his scheme, which he's been chasing since he got there. I don't think it matters. I think the Raiders are roadkill in this game, and I think the Lions, a ticked-off Lions team is going to run right over
0: yeah, and I tell you, in the Jacksonville Jaguars-Pittsburgh Steelers game that's going to be up in Pittsburgh, I don't think we're going to see roadkill from either one of those teams, but the Jaguars are heading into that game as two-and-a-half-point favorites. We go to Tony Wiggins of Locked On Jaguars to sell us why the Jacks can cover.
4: What's up, good people? I'm Tony Wiggins with the Locked On Jaguars podcast. The Jacksonville Jaguars travel to Pittsburgh to play the Pittsburgh Steelers this Sunday, Jacksonville's. Five and two i think pittsburgh's four and three well guess what the steelers are going to be four and four and they will not cover the spread FanDuel has the jaguars as a two and a half point favorite and i'm here to tell you i think the jaguars cover that spread now i'll tell you why i think they're just better than pittsburgh that's one i think trevor lawrence is better than kenny pickett that's two i think the strengths will match up against strengths And if it's a close game and an even game, I feel better about Brandon McManus being the Jaguars kicker than anybody that they've had in recent memory being their kicker going all the way back to Josh Scobie. Brandon McManus can kick that thing from Harrisburg, right? So if they get into no man's land and it's a close game and they don't have to go for it when they're in that area between the 33 and the 38 38 yard line, The Jacksonville Jaguars and Doug Peterson, where they normally go for it, I think they have a lot of confidence in the fact that Brandon McManus can make that kick at any time. Therefore, those extra points that come from them going for those field goals combined with the fact that the Jaguars just seem to play really, really well in the fourth quarter makes me think the FanDuel is on to something and the Jags will win by at least four points. But it's two and a half point spread. Right now, I think the Jaguars are going to win. Plus, I got wind that the Jaguars are going to wear those teal pants that they never wear. So they have white tops with teal pants and black helmets. Anytime you look like a stick of bubble gum, you're going to get my vote as a team that's going to cover the spread. So I think the Jaguars beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think it'll be a close game, but I do not think it'll be less than the two and a half points that FanDuel is given. Make sure you check me out every single day on the Locked On Jaguars podcast, where it's your team every day. And we always thank you for making us your first listen.
0: I think my favorite comment of the afternoon, the Jacksonville Jaguars dressing up like a stick of (laughs) gum and whether or not that's going to be the deciding factor in who wins this game. That's interesting because my first thought went to, of course, Cam Hayward. Cam Hayward is on the men. He has been designated for return, which is a positive for the Steelers. Don't know if he's actually going to be a go. For Sunday, but Kyle on the flip side, still some concerns about Deontay Johnson because he's come back, but the hamstring has been, it's still a little bit gimpy. So how do maybe those two players and whether they play and how they go, how does that potentially impact where the Steelers are and also the ability for the Jacksonville Jaguars to potentially cover the spread?
1: Yeah. Well, George Pickens seems to think it'll help quite a bit since he called him a <laughs> hope defense this week in the buildup to the game alluding to they've got a lot of talent on the defensive line a lot of early draft picks so they just hope that the pressure is going to get there and impact
3: uh oh when God. they're playing
1: pass defense oh which i thought was very uh, entertaining choice of words for George yes. pickens um well i poked the bear but go ahead right yeah i probably would have left it out if i were george but it, like i'm I'm not as talented at, at probably anything as George Pickens is at contested catches and getting down the field and putting guys on posters. So <laughs> um, I, I think of this football game and Pittsburgh being at home, I think is very helpful. I, I think if they're going to win this game, it going to have nothing to do with Pittsburgh's offense, just because I don't trust them to consistently put drives together and get down the field. I know they haven't really used Pat Fryermuth this season, but his yeah. absence hurts. It's like, oh, cool. You get DeAndre Johnson back. And now Pat Fryer moves out with a soft tissue injury of his yeah. own, which is a big time bummer as they're trying to get all their weapons on the field. And mm-hmm. you see Najee Harris's efficiency per touch kind of regress back again as they've struggled once again with the offensive line and uh, predictability offensively. So uh, I think Pittsburgh's going to have to hit explosive plays in the passing game, and they're going to yeah. have to get a, a few turnovers or chunk plays through special teams or defense that set them up with extra scores. Mm-hmm. If they do that, I think that's the pathway more so than uh, Deontay Johnson bringing an extra gear to the passing game that I just don't trust them to find when Matt Canada is still calling plays.
0: Well, yeah, there you have it. It's probably a situation where Friar Muth can be fine. Deontay Johnson can be fine. Heck, they can bring Heinz Ward back. They still have Matt Canada. So there's that. But another thing that I think is important Jarvis is the fact that I feel like this Jacksonville Jaguars team might be one of the sneakiest sneaky good games, uh, football teams rather, in all of the NFL, right? I think that it's one of those teams where they're five and two, and yet we don't talk about them very much. So with that in mind, with that offense really getting going, with Travis Etienne doing his thing and with uh, Trevor Lawrence just continuing to progress, if you will, is this a team where maybe because they're sneaky good, they actually can cover the spread?
2: Oh, absolutely! I think they can cover the spread because you know when you look at how Trevor Lawrence has been playing, he's like been gradually getting it better. He hasn't. He only had one interception in 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 this four in their four game winning streak, and he's had a few fumbles in one game. But you know, um, he outside of that, like he hasn't turned the ball over. He's been efficient, like you said. They've been giving, turned around and giving the ball to Travis Etienne, which is a great when you're talking about the development of quarterbacks or quarterbacks moving into and getting into a groove. I think I think they can be able to continue to do that. Christian Kirk has been uh, uh, a savior, uh, lining up in the slot for that, for that offense, and I feel like they've been able to find ways to get them going. I just I, I think that we're going to get to a point where. When you talk about the the usage of Cal Cal Ridley, I think that's going to be a spot that they they can they can get a little bit better at because he started off got off to a decent start, but I think right now it's kind of got, went into a low. Um, mm-hmm. but I think they can get some of those explosives. With Calvin, really, I, which they can do against the Pittsburgh defense because they Indeed. he talk about hope yeah. <laughs> as far <laughs> you're as you talking about hoping to cover, yeah.
1: Because Patrick yeah. Peterson
2: yeah. looked really slow against uh Puka Nakua last week against the, the, the Rams. So I think that you know the Jacksonville can take advantage of that and definitely uh, cover the spread on this one.
0: Now, hey, if you're ready for that afternoon snack, late lunch, early dinner, so that you can actually. And of course we want you to get that after the show, but so that you can actually not be hangry, Jarvis will tell you how to do that with DoorDash.
2: People, did you did you get to, are you watching the game? Are you watching us right now? And you're trying to figure out, okay, when's the time out? Or when, when is the next time I can go get something eat? I'm so hungry, but I want to watch the NFL kickoff live because it's just the greatest NFL insight show that I've been watching all day. I got a solution for you. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to DoorDash. Doordash is the place you need to be because I'm telling you, they got all the type of different foods. Because I know for me, on game day, I got to have my wings. I'm telling you, I'm searching all up and down Doordash and trying to find those wing spots. What are those deals? What are those specials? And, and if you're a person who likes specials and likes deals and likes to like to order your food with deals and specials, Doordash is the place you need to go. Because here's what I want you to do: I want you to go to Doordash. Go to that app, download the app. It's super easy. I'm telling you, it's not, it's not that hard at all. And you're going to get 50, 50% off, up to $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order. When you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCK23, that's code LOCK23, K D L O C 23 Subject to change, terms apply. I'm telling you, that's all you got to do. Go ahead and download the app, and you're going to get 50%, up, 50% off up to $10 value when you spend 15, 15, $15 or more on your first order. When you download DoorDash app and enter code LOCK23, that's code LOCK23. Go to DoorDash right now.
0: I feel like as soon as this show is over, I'm going to be ready for some lemon pepper wings. Jarvis got us all excited yes. about Go that now. Go the wings right now. <laughs> so DoorDash, you're about to get some serious business from this entire NFL kickoff live crew. But before that, might want to talk fantasy football. Some players might be on the verge of benching on your fantasy teams, but locked-on fantasy football host Michelle Madrug has some players that you need to get in your lineup because they will outperform their season average this week.
8: There are three players that I'm confident will outproduce their season average in fantasy points in week eight. First up being Jaguars wide receiver Christian Kirk against the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers are allowing the third most fantasy points per game to wide receivers this year. And Pittsburgh has allowed three different wide receivers to each score two receiving touchdowns against them in a game this year while Kirk has scored a receiving touchdown in each of the last two games. So Kirk has been highly consistent since week two for fantasy, but I think he has a monster game in this matchup. Make sure you get him into your lineups. Next up is Garrett Wilson jets wide receiver against the New York giants. Wilson's averaging just 10.8 fantasy points per game in half PPR leagues this year. 27th among wide receivers, not at all what we were expecting when we drafted him in the second round because he lost his Hall of Fame quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. But Zach Wilson has been targeting him more as of late He's uh, Garrett Wilson's averaging over 11 targets per game over his last three games. And the Giants are giving up the six most fantasy points per game and second most receiving touchdowns in the NFL, two wide receivers since week three. So I love this matchup for him. I I think Zach Wilson's getting a little bit better finding that connection with Garrett Wilson. So I imagine he has 100 plus yards and a touchdown in week eight. And then last up, this one's a little bit riskier for sure. Lions wide receiver Jamison Williams versus the Raiders is I know Jamison Williams has not done much at all throughout his career, right? Recovering from that ACL injury all of his rookie season. And then this year suspended the first four weeks of the season. These three games that he's played in hasn't done much of anything, but his offensive snaps have increased. Uh, Season high 33 offensive snaps last week. And I expect that to even go up because now Marvin Jones has stepped away from the team. So they're going to need Jamison Williams even more. And the good thing is Jamison Williams had six targets last week. Bad thing is he had zero receptions, but it was a hard matchup. And if you get six targets again in this matchup against the Raiders, I do think he has a really nice, day the raiders have allowed three receptions of 50 plus yards to wide receivers this season that's tied for the second most in the nfl only behind the commanders who've allowed six watch out for aj brown he's going to go off this week but Jamison williams I-, I do think he's an optional flex play this week extremely extremely risky but with high upside i think this could be his breakout game in the nfl
0: So Kyle, Michelle mentioned one player that Jarvis talked about, Christian Kirk, and the possibility of him having one of those amazing games. One player we did not talk about when we talked Lions, uh, when we talked about the Lions game, was Jameson Williams. We, we didn't talk about him at all. So what are your thoughts on the possibilities of him? Maybe being be one of those sneaky good players that maybe you should scoop up, if you can, this, uh, for this week H Yeah,
1: I think the challenge with Jameson is the volume. Uh, when you think about, we already acknowledge Sam Laporta. We know yeah. Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, Laporta, I think he's only got one game this season with less than six targets yes. uh, in a yeah. game this season. And obviously, Amon Ross St. Brown, his workload speaks for itself with the volume that he has gotten and commanded. So, uh, Jameson, he was up to six targets last week against Baltimore, but they were down, what, 35 nothing, And Detroit completely gets out of the way, style of game that they want to play the two games prior to that, he only had six targets combined. So I agree with Michelle that it is a very high risk proposition, but as Detroit continues to further assimilate him after spending some time with his suspension and not being eligible to play, you would like to think they're going to continue to find ways to get him involved within the offense. And those shot plays, even though they're not high volume, they are plays that are vertically going to be hitting down the field. So I think that that's where, if you're looking for a high upside sell, that's where you would look, but I wouldn't feel great about it just because he has not been a volume player in that offense yet.
0: Yeah. And Jarvis, it's interesting because there's one game that is intriguing, maybe because you'd see him as kind of a bottom dweller type of game with the Minnesota Vikings and with the Green Bay Packers, but it's also one of those games that's had the line flip back and forth, right? So uh, mm-hmm. as far as who's going to be the one, it's been a one and a half favorite sometimes in the direction of the Vikings, other times in the directions of Packers. But the fan FanDuel actually said something interesting in terms of their bold predictions in the last 24 hours. And it was really surrounding what Kirk Cousins would or would not do as far as where he finishes amongst those top 12 quarterbacks. Now going against this Packers defense, do you feel like he's going to be one of those who finishes outside of the top 12 and possibly does not have a Kirk Cousins type of day, even coming off of a, an amazing win like the vikings had last week
2: i i think i mean kirk is, is one thing about kirk cousins we've never he's never been short of being able to put up numbers and from a fantasy quarterback standpoint i'm i'll ride with kirk cousins i'll try to trade with kirk cousins right now on my team on, on my fantasy football team because he's he's always been a guy that that can put up some numbers and i, I think that you know when you start to get into the postseason that's when it started getting a little shaky as far as him being able to perform like you want him to uh, like he does in a regular season, but yeah, I I think if if you got an opportunity to you know play a guy like Kirk Cousins against this Packers defense, I think you can you can cook a little bit. I think I think Kirk is going to cook uh, against this Packers defense because we know you know like uh, down in Atlanta, when when they, when when the, uh, Desmond Ritter got a little was able to do, yeah, they were down what twelve points and going into the fourth quarter, and they were able to make a comeback because and they Desmond Ritter did it by throwing the football. So I, they are definitely susceptible to the pass. So, yeah, Kirk Cousins is a, is a is a good play this week, I feel. Um, definitely top 12 as far as going up against this Green Bay Packer defense.
0: And, you know, another interesting matchup for this weekend, Kyle, that FanDuel talked about was the matchup between the Saints and the Colts. And they actually said they're looking for Jonathan Taylor to really have himself a statement game. They feel like this is one of those, well, you kind of look at it, maybe more about the Saints and what they're not able to do on defense. Maybe even more so than what Jonathan Taylor would be able to do on offense. But that said, where do you kind of see this? Could this be that kind of game for Taylor?
1: Yeah, so Taylor kind of showed some signs of life this past weekend. And Mm -hmm. and, I think it was 18 carries that he logged, which was kind of a nice development for um, his return to play after starting on the pup. But I look at the matchup against the Saints, and while the Saints have allowed more than 100 yards to both the Texans and the Jaguars in each of the last two weeks, about half of Jacksonville's yards came from Trevor Lawrence. And you know, the, the New Orleans has been fairly stout up front with what they bring. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think Garner Minshew playing in this offense gives them kind of this fun, loose, almost Ryan fitzpatrick type feel to it. And they put a lot of points on the Browns. So credit to them for last week with with how they were able to do that. Um, but I don't know that I necessarily trust Jonathan Taylor and the Colts offensive line against the Saints defense, even though the Saints are struggling a little bit right now, uh, to, to really have that explosion game that is the declaration and the return of, hey, I'm Jonathan Taylor, I'm a $15 million year running back, and I'm back.
0: Indeed. Well, it's going to be an interesting week eight because every single team will take the field this weekend. Thanks to our friends at Camp Lejeune for hanging out with us this afternoon. And we will see you guys next week on NFL Kickoff Live.